Chapter Twenty Two of the Goddess of Atvatabar by William Richard Bradshaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nigel Fisher. The Goddess learns the story of the outer world. Her Holiness was pleased to say how honoured she was by receiving us. Our advent in Atvatabar had created a profound impression upon the people, and she was no less curious to see us and learn from our own lips the story of the outer world. She was greatly interested in comparing the stalwart figures of our sailors with the less vigorous frames of the Atvatabaris. It could not be expected that men who handled objects and carried themselves in a land where gravity was reduced to a minimum could be so vigorous as men who belonged to a land of enormous gravity, whose resistance to human activity developed the great strength of muscle and bone. I informed Her Holiness regarding the geography, climate and peoples of the outer sphere. I gave her an account of the chief nations of the world from Japan to the United States. I spoke of Africa, Australia and the Pacific Islands. I spoke of Adam and Eve and the Deluge, of Assyria and Egypt. Then I described the glory of Greece and the grandeur of Rome. I spoke of Caesar and Hannibal, Cleopatra and Antony. I spoke of Columbus, Galileo, Michelangelo, Faraday, Dante and Shakespeare. I described how art reigned in one kingdom or country and invention in another, and that the soul or spiritual nature was as yet a rare development. You tell me, said the goddess, that Greece could chisel a statue, but could not invent a magnetic engine, and that your own country, rich in machinery, is barren in art? This tells me the outer world is yet in a state of chaos, and has not yet reached the development of Atvatabar. We have passed through all those stages. At first we were barbarous. Then, as time produced order, art began to flourish. The artist, in his desire to glorify the few, lost sight of the misery of the many. Then came the reign of invention, of science, giving power to the meanest citizen. As democracy triumphed, art was despised, and a ribald press jeered at the sacred names of poet and priest. By degrees, as the pride and power of the wealthy few were curbed, and the condition of the masses raised to a more uniform and juster level, universal prosperity growing rapidly richer, produced a fusion of art and progress. The physical man, made powerful by science, and the soul developed by art, naturally produced the result of spiritual freedom. The enfranchised soul became free to explore the mysteries of nature and obtain a mastery over the occult forces residing therein. In the outer sphere, I informed the goddess, there has also existed in all ages an ardent longing for spiritual power over matter, but this power, which in many periods of history was rarely obtained, has been purchased by putting in practice the severest austerities of the body. Force of soul was the price of subjugation of passion and the various appetites of the body. The fakirs, yogis, jugglers and adepts of India, the magicians, sorcerers and astrologers of Mesopotamia and Egypt, the alchemists, cabalists and wizards of the Middle Ages, and the theosophists, spiritualists, clairvoyants and mesmerists of the present time, were members of the same fraternity who have obtained their psychological powers from a study and practice of mystic philosophy or magic. You say that the outer world magicians derived their powers of soul from abnegation of the body, said the goddess. Now the soul priests of Atvatabar can do quite as wonderful things, I dare say, as your magicians, and they have never practised austerities, but on the contrary have developed the body as well as the soul. In the worship of the gods of science and invention, art and spirituality, both body, mind and soul are exercised to their utmost capability. In all stages there is exultance, exercise, development. But I am deeply interested in your remarks. 
tell me just what the principles of the worshippers of your Harikar are. Spiritual culture in the outer world, I explained, is obtained by a variety of religious beliefs, but the belief that most nearly resembles that of Atvatbar is that of the soul worshippers, who deny the existence of any power beyond the human soul, teaching that it is only by our own inward light that we can rise to higher planes and reach at last to nirvana, or passive blessedness. This inward light can only be truly followed by self-obliteration, fastings, penances, and repression of desires and appetites of all kinds, carried on through an endless series of reincarnations. The final blessedness is a beatific absorption into the ocean of existence which pervades the universe. That is a different creed to that of Harikar and Advatbar, said the goddess, which is worship of body, mind, and soul. We believe with your Greeks in the perfection of the body, and also with your Hindus in perfection of soul. We reinforce the powers of body and mind by science and invention, and the soul powers by art and spiritual love. We believe in magic and sorcery. Our religion is a state of ecstatic joy, chiefly found in the cultured friendship of counterpart souls, who form complete circles with each other. Enduring youth is the consummate flower of civilization. With us it lasts one hundred years, beginning with our twentieth birthday. There is no long and crucial stage of bodily abstinence from the good things of life. There is only abstinence from evil, from vice, selfishness and unholy desire. Our religion is the trinity of body, mind and spirit in their utmost development. Such is the faith of Atvatbar. And such a faith, I replied, with such a deity as your holiness, must profoundly sway the hearts of your people. The goddess was a woman of intuition. Almost before I was aware of it myself, she evidently discovered a sentiment underlying my words. She paused a moment, and before I could question her further regarding the peculiar creed of Atbatbar, said, We will discuss these things more fully hereafter. At a signal from the goddess, the trumpets rang a blast, announcing the audience at an end. With the summons, music uttered a divine throbbing throughout the chamber, while the singers marched and sang gloriously in the cloisters. As I sat, my soul swimming in a sea of ecstasy born of the blessed environment, I felt possessed of splendours and powers hitherto unknown and unfelt. A thrill of joy made hearts tremble beneath the crystal dome. It was a new lesson in art's mysterious peace. End of chapter 22